Welcome to 24 Hour Expert, where we challenge each other to see what we can learn on random topics in just a day. I'm Allie. And I'm Amy. Let's see what we've learned. All right, Amy. How are you doing this week? Pretty good. How about you? I am doing well. So before we get started, I have to do something that I hate doing. All right. And then is I have to read my notes off my computer. I can't even believe it. How will you make it through this episode? I might not because my stupid printer is not working once again. I hate this thing more than I hate most things. Is the topic tonight printers? No, but um, you know what? I, I was going to say the brand name, but I will not. Don't be bashing people. We just crushed Jello, you know, just a smidge ago. So yeah. But do your research on printers. <laughs> <laughs> Fair one. And if you need some advice, you can DM me, and I'd be happy to chat one on one about them. I'm really sad that the topic isn't printers because what a great segue that would have been. <laughs> right, that would have been hysterical. But sadly, it is not. But it is a very fun topic, and it is actually a listener topic. Woo! Yay, listeners! So without further ado, this week's topic is science fiction versus fantasy. Oh, so we're going to learn where they draw the line? We are. We're going to learn a little bit about each, and then we'll compare and contrast them. And I just have to say, the listener topic was just about fantasy, Adding the sci-fi is my own little fun twist to the topic. Sure. You can't just go in plain with fantasy. Also, I feel like these are very broad, so I'll be interested to see how you narrow them down. Well, we're just going to talk about the characteristics of each. And oh, okay. we'll hit some popular novels, popular films. I'm betting I have seen very few of either. It'll probably be like when you were naming romantic comedies. Yes. The equivalent. But, you know, for me, yeah, the reverse of that, yeah. It's like when we did the horror movie episode, like, I'm here to support you, but I just don't think I'm going to add any value to this conversation. <laughs> I, but I think you'll be surprised. I think you'll be surprised. All right, well, let's surprise me. Okay, digging right in. The main difference is that fantasy deals with the impossible, like magic, whereas science fiction deals with the possible, even if it's not technically possible right now. Like Wally. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Do with that what you will. I'm Thank you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and summarize. So that's the main difference. But let's dive into science fiction first. Some really popular science fiction books. But I will say, I've already run into an issue with some of the lists that were on the internet. Because based on the definition I just gave you, I disagreed with some of the books that were listed as science fiction. So I've edited this list myself. Well, you are the expert this week, so that feels fair. I took a couple different lists of the most popular science fiction novels, and I took out the ones that I don't think fit the category. So here we go. We're ready. Dune by Frank Herbert. Okay. Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card, The Martian by Andy Weir, Exhalation by Ted Chiang, Ready Player One by Ernest Cline, The Stand by Stephen King, 1984 by mm -hmm. George Orwell, mm -hmm. 
Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir, Lord of the Flies by William Golding, Wow, Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton, and I could keep going, but those are ones that were hitting at the top of a lot of lists. So there you go. Most popular. And it's hard for novels when you say most popular because most lists that people come up with are... I mean, I know like bestsellers lists and stuff, but it's a lot more opinion versus movies. You can do it based on how much money they made. Not that you can't do that for books, I guess. I don't know. It's harder to find reliable lists for books than it is for movies. I guess that's a long-winded version of what I'm trying to say. (laughs) I like the summary. I'm also very impressed by myself. I knew a decent amount of those books. I've literally only read of those books 1984. But I've seen all the Jurassic Park movies. There you go. There you go. Everything else, nah. Quick recap. Sci-fi novels, shows, movies have to follow the laws of nature and physics. Some key elements to sci-fi are that elements of science are used, obviously. It often explores advanced technologies like time or space travel. Stories are often set on other planets, spaceships, or dystopian versions of our own world. Basically, not modern day as we know it. So usually the setting is, like I said, other planets, galaxies, or our world, but not how it is for us. Which is funny, because that's how I would describe like fantasy, is like our world, but different. But I understand that it's realistic. Right. It has to follow the laws of nature and physics. And characters are often relatable, and the themes are often about humanity. Mm, Got it. So like many genres, there are subgenres for science fiction that includes, and sometimes these are combined in stories. So number one, science, which like it sounds, uses elements of science in the story. Now there's two types of science that can be used in a story. Hard science or soft science. Hard science focuses on the science being explained in great detail. So knowing how the science works is part of the story. I see. Soft science, on the other hand, focuses more on the why than the how. So the details of the science aren't as important in soft science. I really thought hard science was like, these are scientific facts that we know to be true, like gravity. And soft science is like, animals of the ocean, because we only know a little bit about that, you know? Oh, that's very interesting, Amy. Like hard is, these are the boxes we must live in. And then soft is like, these are things we're still exploring and therefore they're science, but fiction. Yeah, no, that would make total sense. I can totally see that. Mm -hmm. Well, they should explore changing those definitions. I will see who I can talk to about that. Yeah, if you could get on that, that'd be great. Our second sub-genre is technology and artificial intelligence. Oh, Oftentimes, I hated that movie. I know, that was a sad movie. That was the worst movie. Yeah. And often these are advanced technologies when used in a story, not stuff that we have today. Yeah. The third is apocalyptic or dystopian setting. So think Hunger Games. Ugh. I don't like any of this. This is very stressful and we have barely started. Barely started. The next we have is military or war. So like I mentioned early, Ender's Game is based on military tactics. 
Space. Big one there. Lots of space stuff. Steampunk, which I didn't know was a type of writing. I just thought it was like a way to dress, like an aesthetic. Isn't um, the one with the cages steampunk? Fury Road, Mad Max. Oh, I don't know if that'd be classified as steampunk. I think that's more dystopian. Oh, okay. Because steampunk is, it takes place in an alternate 19th century Oh. Where there's an mm-hmm. earlier technology boom because of steam-powered technology. So it's basically if you went in the past and things evolved differently. So like Back to the Future. Yes, but going... I haven't seen Back to the Future. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Honestly, I reference Back to the Future a lot more than I should for how often I've seen it. But in Back to the Future, I'm going to call it three, two, I don't know, but one of them, there's a steam-powered train. <laughs> okay, anyway. but they actually went back to the past. They went back to the past. Well, and I Doc know the- goes back to, like, the Western times. Yes, okay, okay. And before you come at me, I know they go to the past in the first one, too. Well, yeah, that's the whole concept, but yeah. back, back. They go back, back in, I think, back, the second back. one. Okay, okay. But I'm so, all of these Back to the Future people are going to be very mad at us. Yes. All right, our next one, Parallel Worlds. That's it? That was the whole thought? <laughs> the whole thing is Parallel Worlds. Okay. No, I was trying to think. I've actually read a good story. and of course, Like Stranger Things? Yes, that would be. Uh, that's probably more fantasy, though. Oh, I, know. I don't know. That might be a borderline one, because the... Sci-fi and fantasy can obviously also be mixed. Some things can be both. Like, for example, people argue that Star Wars is not just science fiction, that it's both, because technology, spaceships, science fiction, the Force, kind of magical, fantasy. Got it. That was a good That was a good example. Thank you. I mean, it was somebody in my research example. I can't take credit for that. Okay. But yeah, so parallel worlds. But no, I was what I was thinking was I read a really good book where, although I guess that's like parallel realities, although maybe it could be the same thing. Anyways, the guy wasn't in his own timeline anymore, and he got into a different timeline, but still of his life. And then he realized his timeline wasn't so bad, so he was trying to get back to his timeline. And it's not the Midnight Library. Who For anyone who's sitting there screaming that I'm thinking of the Midnight Library... Also very similar concept. Highly recommend reading The Midnight Library. That's a great book. But the one I'm talking about is different. That was a great monologue. I support it. Thank, thank you so much. Okay. Um, and then the last two subgenres here for sci-fi, science fiction comedy and science fiction horror. Nope. Yes on comedy. No on horror. And I love a good science fiction horror. And I think I mentioned these in our horror episode, but Sunshine and, oh my God, now I'm not going to be able to remember the other one. There was another one. Just go listen to horror. You'll find it. Okay, moving right along here. Common elements that we see in sci-fi stories. Time travel, teleportation, mind control, telepathy, telekinesis, aliens, other life forms, mutants, space travel, exploration, Warfare, interplanetary warfare, parallel universes. We just talked about that. Fictional worlds, alternative histories. So that'd be like the steampunk. Mm. Super intelligent, artificial intelligence. 
and speculative technology. Ooh. So again, technology that doesn't exist but could exist in theory. So like hot tub time machine is sci-fi. I think that would be correct. Speculative technology and time travel. And it's probably sci-fi comedy. There you go. So the history of science fiction is interesting because there are different opinions of when science fiction started. There are two basic camps. One says that it started with the Sumerian text, the Epic of Gilgamesh, and the other argues that science fiction only became possible between the 17th and 19th centuries following the scientific revolution that included major discoveries in astronomy, physics, and math. So whether or not you believe when it started, there are many examples of ancient literature that are precursors to what classify as science fiction now. Science fiction really boomed in the 20th century as science and inventions became more present in our daily lives. Sure. I really like this quote from scholar Robert Scholes about the history of science fiction. He says, The history of humanity's changing attitudes towards space and time, the history of our growing understanding of the universe and the position of our species in that universe. That's how he defines science fiction. Yes. Interesting fact. During World War II, American military planners studied science fiction to get ideas. Oh. Mm-hmm. The British did the same thing. They also asked authors to submit outlandish ideas, which they then used and leaked it to the access as if they were their real plans. Wow. Isn't that interesting? That's very interesting. The 1940s and 50s are considered the golden age of science fiction. There was a magazine called Astounding Science Fiction, which published sci-fi stories, and it helped to popularize the genre. Its editor was John W. Campbell, and he is credited for advancing the genre. A famous quote that he would tell to his writers was, Write me a creature that thinks as well as a man, or better than a man, but not like a man. Ooh. Yeah. It's like a writing prompt that your teacher would put up on high school, and then you're like, oh my god, what are we going to do here? Exactly. So much pressure. So much pressure. Another interesting fact, L. Ron Hubbard, Amy, do you recognize that name? No. Should I? Oh, I don't know, maybe not. But he is the creator of Scientology. Oh. He started as a science fiction writer and a protege of Campbell. Hubbard's first articles about Dianetics and his new religion were actually published by Campbell. Wow. Science fiction movies started to come into their own in the 1950s because of advances in special effects and technology. Which is so fun to watch now. I know. Special effects and technology is just insane now, but when you look back at those old movies, it's just kind of fun. Oh, it's so fun. And some of it really stands up still, I think. Agreed. Fun fact. Until the 50s, typically only magazines published new science fiction stories. Very few were printed as books, and most that were actually published as books had to be ordered through the mail because most bookstores didn't carry science fiction. That's kind of crazy to think about. Those are some of the most visited sections, I would argue, today. Yeah, today I would definitely think so. Okay, before we move on to fantasy... Some of the top sci-fi movies. And these are according to IMBD. 2001, A Space Odyssey. Mm -hmm. The Terminator. Mm -hmm. Planet of the Apes. Nope. Alien. Nope. Blade Runner. Nope. The Matrix. Nope. 
Back to the Future. Did it. Interstellar. Nope. And Star Wars, even though that one could go both ways, I guess, like we talked about. I've seen The Terminator, Back to the Future, and Star Wars. So those were the top 10-ish that were listed on IMBD. Some had, you know, individual movies from the same series. Yeah. And I are the same franchise. I took those out. That's cheating. Moving right along to fantasy. Fantasy is sometimes referred to as the first narrative style. Oh. Humans have been incorporating mythical creatures and, and other elements of fantasy into stories for millennia. Ooh. Which shouldn't be surprising when you think about, like, Greek myths, right? Yes. Typical elements of fantasy are mythical creatures, supernatural powers, and robust world building. So, like, the full Lord of the Rings series. Right. Like science fiction, fantasy imagines a world different from our own. So different types of fantasy include high fantasy, which takes place in a magical environment that has its own set of rules, low fantasy, which takes place in our world with some unexpected magical elements, like people can fly or something like that. So like Marvel. And we'll talk about superheroes. Okay. Magical realism. It's similar to low fantasy. The characters accept that elements like levitation are a normal part of an otherwise realistic world. Got it. Sword and sorcery. So Harry Potter. Dark fantasy, which is basically fantasy horror. Okay. Fables, which use personified animals and the supernatural and impart a moral lesson. Like Rumpelstiltskin. Mm, but that's not personified animals. Uh... Lion Witch in the Wardrobe, you know, oh. that has some okay. animals. Oh. I don't know if they impart a moral lesson. I'd have to go back and rewatch them. It's been a long time, but. Or, no, oh, no, it's okay. Fairy Tales. Mm-hmm. And Superhero. Although there are some people who argue that Superhero is its own genre. But if we were to put it under sci-fi or fantasy, it's fantasy. There you go. I was close, just ahead of the game. You were. You were very close. Some of the top-selling fantasy books and series are... Harry Potter by J.K. Rowling, The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, The Little Prince by Anton D. St. Exbury, Twilight by Stephanie Mayer, The Vampire Chronicles by Anne Rice, The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson, Discworld by Terry Pratchett, and A Song of Ice and Fire, which is one of the Game of Thrones books, by George R.R. Martin. Wow. So there you go. Top selling fantasy books. Well, I was going to say, I feel like those are more well known, but maybe that's just my perspective because I know more of those than I did the last list. So I'm going to claim bias on that one. Well, and going back to my previous rant about how finding lists of books is harder. Now that I'm re-looking at my notes, I had no problem finding a list of top selling fantasy books, but for sci-fi. Not so much. All the lists were totally different. Weird. Okay. Mm -hmm. Back to fantasy. Fantastical elements have always been part of storytelling, but fantasy as a literary genre is more modern. And more modern in a sense that both the author and the readers both know that the writing is fictitious. Got it. So that was an interesting concept when I read it. Again, going back to Greek myths, right? A lot of people believed that those things were true. Mm-hmm. So we consider them fantasy writing, but at the time they weren't. Right. Whereas now we're both in agreement, we being us and the authors, 
that it's all made up. That makes sense. So just interesting to think about. Modern fantasy began in the 19th century following a period of chivalrous European romance tales. Wow. (laughs) Quite descriptive words there. Right. And these stories had some elements that were considered somewhat believable. (laughs) Somewhat believable. Yeah. George MacDonald's novel Fantasies, and that's Fantasies with the PH, which was published in 1858, is about a young man drawn into a dream world where he has a series of adventures. This novel is credited as the first fantasy book for adults. Also, interesting because, again, you know, fairy tales, fables, a lot of fantasy writing was also for children, not for adults. Right. William Morris's book, The Well at the World's End, published in 1896, was the first fantasy novel that created a world beyond our known world. So he did a lot of world building in Mm -hmm. his novel. All right. Common elements that are often used in fantasy. Good versus evil. A quest for knowledge. Tradition versus change. Person versus nature. Person versus themselves. Coming of age. Love or betrayal, an epic journey, or an unlikely or reluctant hero. So what are some of the highest grossing fantasy films? Harry Potter. Harry Potter series. Yep. Frozen 1 and 2 were on the list. Oh, I wouldn't have classified some of the animated, but yeah, they follow all those things. They do. Beauty and the Beast, Lord of the Rings, (gasps) Pirates of the Caribbean, Aladdin, Alice in Wonderland, The Jungle Book, Jumanji, Shrek, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Coco, The Chronicles of Narnia, Up, Twilight, How to Train Your Dragon, Night at the Museum, Cinderella, Indiana Jones. Honestly, (laughs) I have crushed that list. I am doing such a good job on the fantasy side. Yeah, because like half of them, probably more than half are Disney. (laughs) Yeah, other than Lord of the Rings, I think I've seen all of them and some of the last Harry Potter films. Sorry. So these are the ones that have made a lot of money. Again, it was very easy to look this up. There are so many more fan favorites. I feel like the list, when you look at the list of fantasy movies, it is so good. You could go on forever. I would like to add some of my own honorable mentions. Pan's Labyrinth, Wizard of Oz, Princess Bride, The NeverEnding Story, and Willow. So good. I don't know what Willow is, but the rest of those I do. Let's wrap up this episode with some fun facts about science fiction and fantasy. Ready. The blending of science fiction and fantasy is called science fantasy or fantasy science fiction. I like science fantasy better. I was going to say I like science fantasy better as well. The most famous sci-fi writing award is called the Hugo after author Hugo Gernsbeck, who founded the first science fiction magazine called Amazing Stories. That's such a delightful title. Yeah. In the 1960s, James Tiptree Jr. wrote several sci-fi classics, but was so secretive, people speculated he was a covert government operative. (laughs) However, what he really was, was an outspoken feminist named Alice B. Sheldon. Yes. Yes. This is the type of content I live for. That is the funniest fact. Sci-fi author and legend Isaac Asimov wrote about interstellar space, but in real life, he refused to fly on a plane. Honestly, maybe that was his escape. 
Maybe. Sci-fi author Gene Wolfe helped to develop the machine that cooks Pringles. Thank you, Gene. Yes, thank you, Gene. C.S. Lewis, the author of Chronicles of Narnia, was against them being made into films. After he passed, his stepson, who inherited the rights, sold them, and that's why we now have the movies. Really? Yes. In the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the hobbits went through about 1,800 pairs of prosthetic feet. I can't even imagine that prop department and how prepared with feet they had to be. (laughs) It took 274 days to film the Lord of the Ring trilogy because they filmed them all at once. Oh, so that everyone would look the same. Daniel Radcliffe went through over 160 pairs of glasses while filming Harry Potter. That's a fun fact. I also think they didn't actually have lenses in them some of the time. Right, because it caused a glare with the camera. Yeah. So a lot of times they were just lensless. Fun fact, Amy, thanks for sharing. Anytime. Fantasy. Okay, one more. Margaret Hamilton, who played the Wicked Witch of the West had a lot of her scenes edited down because they thought her performance was too scary. Too scary. Too scary. Honestly, she did a great job, though. She did. She did. All right. Now we're all experts on science fiction versus fantasy. Do with that what you will. Thanks for letting us talk at you. If you have any comments, corrections, suggestions, or want to share any of your favorite sci-fi or fantasy books or movies, you can email us at 24hourexpert at gmail.com. Spell out all the words. It's also our website, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us there. Talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to 24 Hour Expert. Our theme song is Lo-Fi World by Ricky Bambino. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you're notified of future episodes. 